Good afternoon, my friends. Welcome to this episode of Happiness After Codependency. I'm Marshall Bircher, and I'm your guide. And helping you come to know, love, and be who you are, because that's how we heal codependency. So I'm excited to be here with you today. Today, I have episode number three in the anatomy of codependency. Today, we're going to talk about how identity looks when we're coming from codependency and how it looks when we're coming from an anchored sense of self, our own self-sovereignty, self-autonomy, and our own self-advocacy. So we're going to be exploring that today. Before we get to that, I'm going to share this out real quick to the community. Community is where you can find additional guidance, tools, and support in your journey in coming to know, love, and be who you are. The link is above on Facebook, below on YouTube, and if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. And guys, share this out to people you know could benefit from it. And also, let me know your experience um, with, and let me know what you learned from today's episode in the comments below. Get this shared out real quick here. Things are doing its thingy. So, and then one more button because, you know, fun with things. Let's see. <clears throat> and there we are. Okay, and boom. All right. It's nice to have you here, guys. I'm excited to be able to contribute to your journey. So, this episode identity. Your sense of identity on codependency reminds me of those old dare advertisements. Your, these, this is your brain on drugs kind of thing. So in codependency, identity is fused by what other people think. So our sense of value, our sense of our own personal self, and the way we perceive other people thinking about us creates our sense of identity. And largely, these things are externally dependent. They are determined by what other people think, other people feel, and how other people act towards us. So we are deriving our sense of identity from their feelings about us, their actions towards us, their attitudes towards us, what they say and what they don't say, and what they do and don't do towards us. I call this external orientation because we can also derive um, identity from like objects, cars, jobs, uh, possessions we have. Uh, we can derive it from places. We can derive it from things we do. And so it's not just other oriented, like a lot of people reference. It's external. It's whatever is outside of ourselves is defining ourselves. So this leads us to becoming very vulnerable to manipulation to unhealthy suggestion. It leads us to being disconnected from our innate sense of personal boundaries, what we really value, what really matters to us. We're not really able to attune to our own our own needs, our own wants, our own capacities, because what we're attuned to is their wants, their needs, their feelings, their capacities. <coughs> we're not really referencing ourselves in this Instead, we're entangling ourselves with the other person's world. And this is where we can experience a lot of anxiety. We can experience a lot of confusion. We can experience a lot of feeling lost, especially when we don't have a relationship. Our sense of self collapses into a big question mark. Like, 
What's going on? What's real? Who am I now that I don't have this relationship? We, we seek this external connection in order to avoid our own internal sense of loneliness and disconnection. The, the emptiness that we wrestle with without a relationship or a significant other is a product of this external orientation, this lack of being connected to self. Or, put in a more technical way, lack of being differentiated from others while having a strong sense of connection and belonging with others. This predominantly comes through the neglect that we've experienced um, in fam uh, family systems, cultural systems, and in our peer-to-peer -peer relationships. Because when we're neglected, one of the primary things we don't get is a positive, consistent, trustworthy reflection to us of ourselves from others that care about us, that are interested in who we are, that value our presence in their lives. So we really never get this sense of me and them. Instead, I get a sense of them and what they think about me, and then I react towards that and try to change that. That's what identity does here, codependency. This is why we feel that lost sense of self without relationship. This is why we wrestle against emptiness and loneliness because we haven't come home to ourselves. We haven't come to really know ourselves, love ourselves, or be ourselves. So that's the opposite of the codependent component is knowing, loving, and being ourselves. So what does that really mean? Because these are nice sounding words, but what does that actually look like? Well, knowing ourselves starts with actually knowing our first container, and that is our body. Being able to identify our body, identify with the sensations and signals it brings into our awareness, and to connect with the lived experience the body is having in the world. Because in codependency, we're not here. We're up here in our thoughts. We think our feelings, we think our experiences, we think our joy, we think our sensations, but we're not actually experiencing anything that's alive here in the body because the body may have a completely different point of view on people, places, and things that we're encountering. Now, if we're going to go for more contentment, well-being, happiness, or fulfillment, those are sensations in the body. Those are experienced here. They're not experienced up here in our thoughts. So our first place in turning towards ourselves to know ourselves is to reconnect with our body. We've got to do this in a really gentle way, in a titrated or bit-by-bit -bit way, because it can be really overwhelming to reconnect with that body. There's going to be sensations we're not comfortable with. There's going to be emotions that we have programming around. There's going to be a heightened sense of sobriety and reality that we have to wrestle with. And that can be overwhelming, speaking from my own journey in this. Now, overwhelm is not necessarily a red flag, but it is a signal about capacity and that we need to slow down a bit, take in a little bit of what's going on, and then go back to something that's more normal, more contained, more uh, known, more the comfort zone kind of thing. And then lean back into it a little bit, then a little out of it. It's kind of like getting out of a, a pool or getting into a pool. Bit by bit, we adapt to it. We don't want to just jump in there because that's where we can overwhelm the nervous system. That can lead to more states of freezing and fawning in our behaviors and it can inhibit our ability to grow and heal. So little bits at a time, guys. Gentle, gentle.
All right. So knowing ourselves starts with the body, and then we move into the emotional awareness. What am I physically, emotionally sensing about this person, place, or thing that I'm encountering? What does it mean to me? So what we're doing in this step is we're turning from external orientation of what do they feel and think about it to, well, what do I feel? What do I think about it? What am I aware of in me about this thing? This differentiates yourself from that person, place, or thing and allows you to start acknowledging your own containership, your own beingness, being real and being separate from that, but also included in the experience. This is where we start getting self-attunement. It's like, ooh, I know what I'm starting to think and feel about this. And then we got to do work on acknowledging, legitimizing, and integrating what we discover there so that we can trust it. And that's one of the paradoxes here. In self-trust, the first thing we start looking at trusting is the legitimacy, the innate legitimacy of our reactions. The reason we do that is because in our experience of neglect and abuse, the first thing that's often attacked is our reactions to something. Whether it's like an impulse to ask for something, an impulse that we have that says, I need something whether it's a reaction to something we laugh at or cry at or we're upset about. These are the things that get put down in our experience and then we internalize that as something's wrong with me. I shouldn't feel this way. I need to change this. And so we start distrusting our reactions to our lived experience. Well, coming back to the body, back to the legitimacy of our lived experience and emotions requires us to trust in the legitimacy of our reactions so that we can be more attuned to them, understand what they're trying to tell us, and then make decisions based on that that are relevant to our well-being and happiness right now. This is how we start to know ourselves. It's also how we start to love ourselves. Because in codependency, love is typically this idealized experience of, I only feel these things, I only do these things, and then people react to me only this way. That means I'm doing it right. I am perfect. I am now lovable. This is a huge minefield for us because we're operating in an ideal, where we idealize ourselves, always swing to the other side and we devalue ourselves because I'm stupid, I'm wrong, I'm bad, I shouldn't feel this way. When we have emotions and reactions to things that don't line up with this idealized set of expectations for ourselves. When coming in to love ourselves, the reality is we've got to go to the middle where reality exists. And that is, I acknowledge and value how I feel. I don't need to question if it's the right thing to feel. What I need to do is acknowledge it, legitimize it, care for it, treat it with warmth, with respect. Much the same way you treat others with warmth and respect, you're going to treat your emotions or your inner selves with that same respect. See, love is, is not just a feeling, it's, a, it's an action, right? It's a verb, as some people have coined the phrase on. And when we acknowledge what we feel, we give what we feel the space to be seen, to be valued, at a minimum be heard and acknowledged, these are acts of love for ourselves. They may not feel that way, but this is how love acts towards itself. It's like, ooh, this pain matters to me. This loneliness matters to me. This, this hurt 
matters to me. This is where we start to feel valued. There's a paradox in this work because one of the places we feel least valued is in our pain and our lived reality. And that leads us to conclude that we're not lovable, we're not valuable. While we want to start the engine up of self-love and self-respect, we start valuing the pain. We start respecting our pain. We start respecting our limits. Then we're going to start to feel like, yeah, I matter to me. This matters to me. Because when your pain matters to you, then your boundaries matter to you. Your lived experiences matter to you. Your well-being matters to you. And you start advocating for yourself. That moves you into a better safe zone, moves you into better safety, better connection, and a better sense of uh, connection with your own identity or intrinsic, what I call innate value. So when we respect what we feel and we treat it with that warmth, we immediately start aligning ourselves with healthier safety, connection, and identity in our world. So this is where love starts to come in. Now love has other components to it, such as being connected with our own sense of innate value. Innate value is this... It's a concept I, I teach that says, my worth is immutable. It's unchangeable. I cannot add to or take away from it, and no one else can, can either. My job is to attune to this innate value, connect to it, and then let it guide me in what I do in my world and how I show up. Typically, innate value is going to show up as a sense of joy and peace being who you are. There's an alignment or congruency that results from that. As we get into that innate value, we start getting to know ourselves through that lens. That allows us to start knowing who we are, who we want to be. And that's when we start to know ourselves as a beingness. Like, I know who I am, I love who I am, and I get to be or act as I am. This allows us to interface or interact with the world based on values and principles that matter to us, based on the priorities that we value at that particular time and we're able to receive the consequences that creates and use those to perpetuate more well-being more clarity and more love in our lives so that's literally the opposite of codependency because codependency and identity is i want to enmesh i want to entangle myself over there and let them define me whereas when i'm rooted in my innate value i'm aligned and connected to my body I'm able to act from who I am, and then I'm able to discern who lines up with me in my world. This is where relationships become more organically compatible because I'm being me, ideally they're being them, and when we combine these together, we get an honest result, and from that result, we can choose what will happen. Do I want more with them? Do I not want more with them? Same thing happens with places and things you bring into your world. If you're seeking purpose in your life, you're going to find it through your innate value. You're going to find it through coming deeper into what matters to you. Because at least in my experience with purpose, it's not a thing I do. It's a principle I follow. So that's what it means to transition from codependent identity to our true self, to knowing, loving, and being who we are. So that's today's trainings, my friends. Just as a heads up, enrollment is open for the self-trust course. You want to go deeper on that and learning what innate legitimacy is, how to connect and cultivate it, also how to connect with your natural completeness, which includes that innate value and your intrinsic limits and capacities, making them good again in your world, 
and then realigning your choice in action with your uh, with the intent you have so you get more of what you deserve in life come join us the link is above on facebook below on youtube we have eight spots remaining in the in the happiness after codependency enrollment system and we have 23 spots left in the self-trust course so come join us we start may 9th and uh, their classes are taught live twice a day on mondays 11 a.m and 6 p.m mountain time so check that out above thank you guys for being here thank you for listening and for your support and guidance again if this video had a positive impact on you let me know in the comments below share this out and if you're watching on youtube hit that subscribe button go gently my friends and i will see you in our next episode bye, -bye.